Welcome to another episode of Wood Talk, an NWFA podcast. I'm Brett Miller with the NWFA, and I'm joined today by uh, Tim Nassis with Woodchuck Flooring out of Toronto. Well, we've been talking, you know, you and I talked a little while back, and, and this being a, uh, a means for reaching out to the industry and, and using podcasts the way we're using them these days, just in, in communicating and hearing from people from all aspects, from all around the, the country and all aspects of our industry, it's really interesting hearing your background, what your business is all about, where you where you come from, and, and really where you guys are going, which I think was was really pretty cool. So if you could just introduce yourself and, and talk a little bit about your background and uh, what brought you to where you are today and, and ultimately that Yeah, evolution. for sure, for sure, yeah. So um, our business, Woodchuck Flooring, was started in 1970. Uh, that was by my father, George. Um, my dad was an immigrant to Canada, was uh, from Greece, started out uh, before 1970 uh, working as an installer and as a finisher uh, for a couple of larger companies here in Toronto, uh, then decided he was going to open up on his own. Uh, so what started as, uh, you know, him, uh, a van and a set of equipment uh, ended up with uh, him, a, a van and a garage and equipment. And then he hired his, uh, his first guy. And I sort of snowballed uh, from there. Uh, I worked with my dad ongoing as a kid. Um, it's a family business. So, uh, you know, being the, uh, the hardworking sort of uh, immigrant father that he was, uh, you know, if I was going to, if I wanted to spend time with him, I had to go to work with him. So that's what we did. I learned, uh, I learned doing that kind of stuff, doing the installs and the finishing uh, from a young age, of course. At the youngest point of my life, I wasn't doing much other than maybe just carrying stuff or, or sweeping floors, but uh, that's where I kind of got my start. So nice. that's, uh, that's how I entered the business. Uh, I'm now uh, partners with my brother in the business. Uh, we run it. My dad retired about uh, 10 years or so ago, maybe a little bit more than that, 12 years ago. Uh, that was interesting in itself. Uh, yeah, it was more like a military coup than it was uh, a retirement party but uh <laughs> that's uh, that's how it ended up so is your brother yeah, older or good. younger got a good start in the industry nice is your brother uh older or younger than you my brother's younger than me or he's three years younger than me uh he takes the lead a lot in the in the sales department in the in the business whereas i run a lot of uh, i run all the back office stuff so i um i do you know a lot of the purchasing uh i'm not really client facing anymore uh, I leave that to uh, to other guys. I've got a good group of guys, a good team together there, uh, and they're more client facing. I, I don't get involved really unless we've got a got an issue with a client or we've got something that uh, they can't handle on their own. Nice. So um, all aspects of the wood flooring business: installation, sanding, finishing, all of the above. Yeah, you know, our it's funny. Our business started as primarily. Um, an installation, sand and finish business. We were we were contractors. Um, uh, when I started with my dad, sort of right after high school, um, you know, I sort of noticed that we were buying a lot of our products directly from the manufacturer. So our urethanes, our sandpapers, all our sundries, we were big enough that we had quite a bit of buying power. So I said to my dad, I said, well, you know, why don't we start reselling this? to other contractors. Uh, there were a couple of guys in the city that were doing it at that time, but they really kind of highlight, it was like two guys had a monopoly on the market. And I said, we're, we're buying the same things they're buying. We're buying them at a, at a similar price. 
uh, why don't we try doing that? And he, uh, he mumbled something in Greek and, uh, he didn't really disagree. So we, uh, I took the lead and I started building like a pro shop business, uh, you know, a supply business. Uh, our first price list I developed in Lotus one, two, three and printed it on a daisy wheel printer. So, hmm. um, we sent it out. We did mailings for the first while sending out that price list, sending, uh, selling to, uh, you know, smaller guys with a set of equipment. And that's grown today to be a large part of our business. Whereas the, the installation part of our business and finishing is really quite small. It's very niche. Um, we, we, we aren't the cheapest company in Toronto for doing that kind of work. Um, and it really, it makes up quite a, a almost, I wouldn't say insignificant because we, we enjoy doing it. We're, we're good at it. But it doesn't make up a big part of our business. Our, our, the main part of our sales is that wholesale retail side of our business um, where we either provide the materials to contractors or we're selling uh, into uh, homeowners that are either DIYers or have their own installers or, or things like that. Got it. So, I mean, that's a very unique situation. I know, I mean, even as large companies most of the people in our industry, most of the businesses in our industry, contractors are not buying direct. Most of our manufacturers won't sell direct unless they're, you know, they, they, they are limited on distribution in a specific market. Um, and, and, you know, as an association, yeah. it's really one of those things. We walk that fine line. We don't want in any, by any stretch of the imagination, imagination to appear to be aligning contractors, direct with manufacturers, you know, the distributor plays such a key role in our industry. How was it that, uh, I mean, you're in a big market. How was it that you guys got to that point? And, and at what point did you start thinking, Hey, there's a business model here different from just contracting that makes sense for us. Yeah. Well, what it was, I mean, Toronto really, um, many people don't realize how big Toronto is. Um, maybe not back, you know, 50 years ago when we started, but these days, Toronto is, you know, the fourth largest city in North America. Um, Chicago and Toronto sort of, you know, battle it out every census or something like that for the fourth largest city in North America. So where it's a substantial market share, uh, at least for the Canadian market. So, but the problem is there never has been, uh, there's always been a lack of a true distribution level. So, there are some companies that have tried it in the past in Toronto, but because the, uh, a lot of the contractors are, are so large or have been so large and so well established in the, in the market, um, you know, the distribution, true distribution level has never really uh, been a part of the Toronto market. So we kind of bridge that gap. Um, and we handle it well. You know, we, we sell right now through our online business all over North America, not just into Toronto. Um, we know our products. We are, we're aligned with some really, you know, good manufacturers. Uh, and it's just been the way the market sort of evolved in the Toronto market. And, I mean, I'd be willing to say that we do as much business as some some distributors in, you know, the rest of the market. So, it's just the way the market evolved in Toronto and that's how we sort of caught on with it. Wow. That's, I mean, that's, it's a great, it's a great business model. I mean, it, at one point you're out there pounding in floors, nailing in floors or, or scraping corners. And I'm sure you stood up one day and your back reminded you that, you know, there's gotta be a better way in this industry. 
Um, tell me a little bit about well, that transition yeah. into the distribution side where you guys are actually providing product to what at one point would have been your competitors. Well, I, I think what it is was, you know, a couple of things. One, every year that has gone by in this industry, I mean, since I've been in it, since I was 12, 13 years old, uh, customers have gotten uh, more and more demanding. Their expectations are higher and higher. And as you know, with, with our industry, especially in the sanding and finishing industry, it's not an exact science. It's not like you picked brown and you put brown down and that's all there was to it. There are so many things that can go wrong on a site finish floor. Um, there are so many things that are beyond your control on the site, before the site with the material. So that in itself sort of made me think, you know, I don't know if I want to be super uh, aligned with this. Labor's getting harder to find, trained guys are getting harder to find, and customers are becoming really, really hard uh, to make happy. Managing expectations is the biggest part of that contractor business, and you can't always get it right. Um, and, and that, along with some businesses in our market decided to go, you know, with builders, they strongly align themselves in the new construction market, and that works for them. For us, I never liked that because I like to get paid, I like to get paid promptly, and I like to make money. The builder market isn't really like that. They're building with your money, uh, they're often running you 60, 90, 120 days, and your margins are super low. So there's a few reasons why we decided to go with the model we have. And, you know, and now expanding that model into an online business has given us, you know, another avenue to explore. It really has taken us outside of the Toronto market marketplace and really put us in the North American marketplace. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, I think that's um, going to the online model. And I, I've always argued that distribution is, it's really kind of unique in our industry, in the wood flooring industry. You don't see, I mean, there's obviously a lot of trades, a lot of construction where distribution is still strong, but our industry is pretty strong distribution when it comes to, you know, that separation between who sells what to where. And our distributors are very exclusive to our industry for the most part. But there's also that drive-in thought process. And, you know, over the last couple of years, I think everybody's realized and recognized that, hey, delivery to my doorstep or to my job site is, is pretty big. I mean, that's a, that, that saves me time. It saves me gas money. And with gas prices the way they are, anything I can do to get, to save my time, put my energy on my project and not on picking up and delivering product or material what what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah. where where do you guys go with that? How well, easy is it to jump into that side of side of the industry? Well, I'm not going to tell you it's easy because it's quite a learning curve. <laughs> but sure. I will tell you that um, we started that online business probably about 12, 18 months before COVID hit, and um, COVID taught us a lot about doing that type of business, and it did sort of uh, underscore the the, the uh, I guess, the willingness for clients to start to go to that model. You know, that my mindset in doing it was, hey, the Amazons of the world are not going away. I don't know how it is in your market, but I mean, Amazon in, in the Toronto market, they're building a new warehouse 
every week and it's a million square feet. They're not going away. So that model of, you know, click, pay, and on your doorstep within the next day or two, that, that model is here to stay. Is it here to stay in the, in the wood flooring market? I think it is. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. But I think it is because there are some things you don't need to touch and feel or you don't need to talk about uh, in person to know that you need it. You know, you need six quarts of stain, you need a couple of gallons of water-based finish, and you need, you know, three kinds of belt of various grits. Just order it. You know, it's worked well for us. Our products uh, flow into the U.S. As long as each customer keeps their order under $800 U.S. per location per day, it flows to our U.S. customers tax-free, duty-free. So because a lot of our products flow into the U.S. market, uh, tax-free, duty-free, provided each order is under $800 U.S. Uh, per order per day, it makes it really easy for our U.S. customers. Our website calculates the freight. By the time you calculate the freight over a five or $600 order, it's almost negligible. You know, cost of fuel these days, I know how it is here. I'm sure it's the same in the States. I've heard it's up over $4 a gallon. By the time you drive halfway across the city to your supplier to get what you need for the next day, I mean, you're going to be the cost of freight from my place to your house. So, you know, I think the model works. Yeah. If you need something specialized or you need, you know, there's things that we can't ship, you know, cost prohibitive is shipping, you know, 700 feet of three quarter by two and a quarter uh, unfinished strip to your location from my location. But the sundries, I think there's definitely a place in the, for sundries. And also too, the, the market is a global market now. So, you know, typically the price for a gallon of finish in California is not the same as a gallon of finish in New York City, but that's eventually going to change. Um, that's going to change just the same as, you know, it has online with Amazon products. It's just, it's now a global market. So markets that were making, uh, you know, 80, 100 point margins and markets that were making 20 and 30 point margins, well, maybe we'll meet in the middle, but I don't think the uh, the market is going to stand up to you know those really high prices. We need to make a fair margin. We need to make a fair living, but uh, I think there's a place for an online market in our industry. I agree, and like you said, you know Amazon has changed the the marketplace. It's changed the way people do business, and it has made costs more universal. Um, it, that's a that's a piece of the puzzle that really does make sense. Um, if I need a, a gallon of this or that or a box of belts, um, you know, whether I'm in this market or that market, it's the cost is the cost, the cost to manufacture it. Obviously, just like gasoline, it costs a little bit more to ship it outside of a metro major metropolis than it does to the major metropolis. But, um, you know, that that that's all taken into account with shipping costs, obviously. The one thing in our industry that, and you hit on it a little bit, you know, ordering 800 square foot of floor, three and a quarter flooring or whatever, that's the one piece that, that just doesn't make sense. That's the one piece that I don't know that there is an easy way. I mean, unless you've got, what do they call them? The little rovers that are on the back of the big delivery trucks that can actually pick up a pallet and drop it on someone's doorstep or better yet in the home and, and get it in the house to, to 
properly acclimatized, that's that's a whole nother ball game and probably not going to see that anytime real soon. So obviously distribution, as we all know, it is always going to be there. But from the Sundry's perspective, I mean, that's, that is something that, yeah, if I'm going out to the job site and I need you know, a couple of cases of finish or whatever it is, it's nice to know that it can be there or it can be at my, my shop first thing in the morning if I need it there at that time. What? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and even though we're even shipping heavier products, though, I think as the market changes, um, I've noticed that even in the car industry, you know, that the touch and feel at a car dealership, I think, might be um, on its way out. I can see manufacturers, for example, of cars having centralized um, showrooms with all of their models on display. And just you press a button, you order it, and it's delivered to your home. Already, there's been entrepreneurial companies taking that business model uh, and using it. I think there's a place for that. And, you know, there might be a place for that even in our industry where, you know, manufacturers, big, strong, good quality manufacturers are having centrally located warehouses or centrally located uh, showrooms. Um in big cities and things just get shipped from there. I, I don't know. Uh, bricks and mortar is, is here. I think it's staying, but I think it's evolving. Yeah, we have to change a little bit with the times. So what do you say to, you know, all the distribu- distribution that is out there and in our industry that um, relies so heavily on walk-in traffic and they've got their partnerships and their relationships in their markets with their regions and there's people that are just loyal and those partnerships and relationships can't be tossed out the window. I mean, I know through my distributors where I grew up doing wood floors, I mean, I had my go-to people and I had the distributors that I would go to if I had to, or if I had a specific product I needed, but this was all based on relationships. How do you overcome that when you're going to the online model? Well, I think we got to maintain those relationships. We need to create those relationships. And I, and I think we can do that. I think if COVID taught us anything, if this global pandemic taught us anything, that we can do a lot more uh, virtually. We can do a lot more digitally than we ever could before. I mean, look, me and you are having a, a conversation where we're going to put this podcast out. And yet I'm in Toronto and you're in a different country, in a different city, and yet it's happening. You know, many businesses thought, you know, I need all my employees to come in and, and, and do, the, do their job. Well, maybe they didn't. Maybe they need some. And, you know, certainly our installers and finishers need to go out there and start creating, you know, building those relationships. That has to be done in person. But if you have to troubleshoot a problem um, with a sand and finish job, um, can you do that virtually? Maybe it's not as perfect as it is one-on-one, but I can tell you it's a lot more cost-effective. If you have to have 20 sales reps as a distributor all across your, your state, and they're burning gas and they're going to every job site, I can tell you that those costs are going up. And if we can do it a little smarter, uh, maybe do half of those calls virtually, I think there's a place for that. I think you can still, I can still chat with my guys that are in the U.S. I can still answer questions for them. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's a part of the market that's uh, that's going to stay bricks and mortar, 
there's going to be part of it that's going to slowly progress more and more to uh, you know an online marketplace. Uh, where the division is, I don't know, but I, I think times are changing. I couldn't agree more. Times definitely are changing, and I think it is. It, it's it's forcing people in all sectors to look at how they do business and and how to improve how they do business. And this is a great example. Um, something you had mentioned in our last discussion, which really it, it really does kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of that relationship. Um, things today seem to be business today seems to be built on um, ratings. And it's not just me rating that business and how well they did, but also that business rating me um, as a customer. How do you, I mean, how do you foresee that implementing that within your business model? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough that way. I mean, I'm sure all of us uh, in the wood flooring industry have uh, a, a list of customers that we, you know, when you're in business for 20, 30, 50 years, you got some customers that you wish you could give a one-star rating to because <laughs> right. uh, you couldn't seem to uh, to make them happy and they just maybe just are never happy. I don't know the answer to that, really. Um, I don't know that we're ever going to get to a point where individual people can be criticized online. I just don't think we're, uh, we're way too, we're way too much a litig, we're way too much a society that's, uh, you know, takes exception to that. We need to be uh, nice to everybody. For some reason, it's okay to, uh, you know, to go online and speak poorly of a business that has uh, an owner and an owner has a family and everything like that. But if it's the other way around and you have a client who uh, is not treating uh, suppliers properly, I don't know. Is there anything else that um, that you'd like to share with, with your business, your business model, and even what you see in the industry and where we seem to be going and what, what, what you see as changes to our industry? Yeah. You know, I, I talk a lot about the market moving, um, you know, to an online platform, but even that online platform, we can't ignore the people aspect of our business. And that's one thing I've really realized uh, in, uh, you know, all the course of running a business is your people are really what makes you successful or not. And, you know, I've talked about uh, this in, a, in some articles that I've written for, for a couple of the magazines. You've got to treat your people right. Um, so whether your, your people are client-facing, you know, physically there or they're on the phone, or they're they're behind the scenes versus in email or whatever it is. Your people are important, and that's one aspect of things that I think is important for all business owners, for all business models. Uh, you know, during COVID, you know, the government here gave a lot of uh, money to small businesses. You know, they tried to assist where they could because a lot of businesses really their their revenues dropped drastically. Um, Ours did too. We, we, we lost a, a lot of, a lot of business for a while, but I tried to give that money back to my guys because I wanted to make sure they were going to be there, uh, when it all, all the dust settled. Um, so I think that's important for, for all business owners, whether you're a contractor, uh, you're, you know, you're standing and finishing floors day in, day out, or whether you're a, a top manufacturer with, uh, with sales reps all over the country. You've got to make sure your guys feel appreciated. And sometimes um, showing somebody that you appreciate them, 
isn't just about, you know, giving them an extra 500 bucks. Sometimes it's just about stopping, pausing and saying, Hey, thanks so much for going above and beyond. I appreciate that. So I think that's important. I make sure I try to do that on a regular basis. It took me a long time to put together the team that I have. Um, and I want to make sure that I, you know, I keep them because uh, they need to be happy every day. Uh, and sometimes being happy at your job is not only about, you know, uh, your salary and what you take home monetarily. A lot of it's, uh, it's, it's more, uh, it's more dynamic than that. It's, uh, it's, it's got more facets that, than that. So we got to make sure we, we talk to our employees and really make sure that um, they're happy with what they're doing. And you know what, some of the, I always say that I never learned anything from anybody that agreed with me. So sometimes listening to your employees, your in, initial reaction might be, hey, you know what, that's, that's silly. That doesn't make any sense. But think about it because these guys are the ones uh, often that uh, are in the, in our, with our customers. They spend more time client facing. Um, their feedback is super important too. Of course, our website's always there 24 seven. It's our, uh, it's a salesperson that you'll never meet, but uh, shop.woodchuckflooring.com. But uh, we're there uh, if uh, anybody has anything they're looking for. And we're always open. If we don't have it on, on, on the site, just give us a call and we'll see, see if we can find it. Excellent. Tim, thanks again. And you guys have a great, thanks, uh, great rest of the year. Thanks. Take care. You too. You too. Bye.